G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. How does this confirm a shut? This is very, very important. We've emphasized this the last three programs. No interpretation of the scripture must ever compromise the straight plain meaning of the text. Mm. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. So far, all three methods of Jewish interpretation of the Bible have been fascinating and absolutely biblical, and all of them protect and confirm the plain meaning of the Word of God as it was written in its context. In this program, we're going to learn about the final method of interpretation, which is esoteric and mystical. It's controversial and many believe dangerous. This is one that can generate quite a little bit of Hostility, I'll say a little bit of hostility because it might actually call into question some particular practices of interpretation in the church today. Mm. So I, I kind of embrace this one or bring this one a little bit of fear and trembling on this one. Okay, so we've got the four levels that we've looked at, Peshat, Ramez, Dirash, and I would encourage people to get online, check out the notes, or even go to podcast the previous programs to get their head around those. We're just going to focus on SOD, S-O-D, SOD, in this particular program. As you mentioned, it's looking at an esoteric or mystical interpretation of the scripture. It's quite problematic when you look at it because it can run away with you mm. or you can run away with it yeah. and get completely out of control. This is one where I would say I would stick a big neon sign in the ground saying caution, 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 mm. turn back, simply because you can really head into dangerous waters. I guess the danger comes when we forget about Peshat and we just run with sowed on its own and that's where it can become very mystical as you're saying. I guess really yeah. all religions have that sort of mystical element, well, they do. don't they? You know, you've got the Buddhists and uh, Hindus and whatever that all have mystical aspects and I guess even people that would claim to be agnostic or non-religious still seem to have this bent towards pursuing mystical things. The mystical and the esoteric is very tantalizing. It's very interesting. Basically because we are spiritual creatures. This is how God has created us. Mm. And so we live in the natural realm, but we long for the spiritual. And if we're not looking at the scripture and finding our spiritual identity and spiritual reality there, we'll look for it elsewhere. And as you said, Buddhism, Hinduism, they have yoga, meditation, mantras and things like that, getting into altered states, you know, this reincarnation life cycle after life cycle mm. after life cycle to reach nirvana. The new age, I guess, is just all... Oh, completely. The new age is very, very much into that. Even Islam has its own mystical um, branch of Sufism. Yeah. That's a very mystical um, branch of Islam. And Jews, too. You've got the Kabbalists that Kabbalists. Uh, are right into it. Theirs is very much based on numerology, and um, they even believe in reincarnation, believe it or not, which is... I don't even know how they conclude that. But then there's a, um, a very strong branch within Christendom, 
of the mystical and the esoteric, and that's going back to what they call the the early desert fathers and the church fathers. It's mm. very, very mystical and esoteric. It's seriously problematic. I think with this particular subject, it would be good to get some dictionary definitions to try and help us understand some of these words. Okay, mysticism is defined as being, quote, the belief that union with or absorption into the deity or the absolute or the spiritual apprehension of knowledge inaccessible to the intellect may be attained through contemplation and self-surrender. Okay, it's also defined as vague or ill-defined religious or spiritual belief, especially as associated with belief in the occult. Now, that's important. Now I want to give you a definition of the word occult. It is a Latin word, and it means hidden or secret. It's a collection of beliefs and practices founded on the premise that humans can tap into a supernatural world. Once connected to this other realm, various rituals and special knowledge are used to allow a person to gain abilities and power that they would otherwise not possess. Now, both of those definitions are so close. Mm. They're pretty much the same. Yeah. So when we delve into what we call the supernatural, the spiritual realm, particularly when it's not as defined as we see in Scripture clearly outlaid, we are stepping into a very, very dangerous mm. realm. So are there any biblical examples of sowed? Well, yeah, there are actually. Probably one of the best books, one of entire books to read in the Scripture would be the Gospel of John because John spends a lot of time revealing the divinity of Christ, mm. the divinity of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, obviously, in particular as a human being, but his divinity. Um, actually, the very first 10 verses, well, the whole first chapter, but the first 10 verses of the first chapter of John is, is a brilliant example. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. Then came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was true light, which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world didn't know him. Now, the first thing we have to look at is, okay, he's talking about this divine light that came in and became one of us. Okay, he's talking about the birth, the manifestation of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. How does this confirm Peshat? This is very, very important. We've emphasized this the last three programs. No interpretation of the scripture must ever compromise the straight plain meaning of the text mm. okay how does this confirm that well if you read the very first chapter of genesis you've got elohim god is this plural entity and he uses the word let us make man in our image so therefore he's talking about this plurality of the godhead and therefore we see that one of the member of the godhead has become human being has mm. been born and living amongst us. So that is confirmed right there. There's Jesus the light. He said himself that he was the light. But if you look at Isaiah actually talks about a great light that would go into the area known as the land of Zebulun, Naphtali. This is uh, a couple of the tribes of Israel. 
and that when he would go there, the people who were there living in anguish and darkness, why are they living in anguish and darkness? It's because they're enslaved to sin. And that would also be in Galilee of the Gentiles. So we're talking about a physical landmass. This is in a prophetic sense where the people who walk in darkness would see this great light. Well, Jesus was the great light who went into the land of the Galilee of the Gentiles, which is in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, and he is the light that was shining in the darkness. So the Peshat, the plain level meaning of the text, the second person of the Godhead, is right there. It's fulfilling, it's a confirming of the Peshat. But it's not, it's not something that somebody has made up. John has this understanding, this revelation of the Peshat meaning of Scripture and he's revealing the Sod, this mystical outworking of it. And you see a, a perfect harmony, don't you, in that whole process? Absolutely. If you read the whole Gospel of John, you see this. If you read through Hebrews, you see it as well. It's talking about the priesthood, how it's a, a superior priesthood to the old priesthood and Melchizedek and this mysterious sort of, you know, fulfilling. And nothing is compromised with the plain surface meaning of the text. So it is very, very important, but it's also, it has the capacity to be abused Badly. It's very, very important that if we want to have these spiritual understandings of Scripture, that we get our spiritual understandings from the Scripture. I say this carefully that we don't have our own divine revelations, our own personal revelations, a new revelation that doesn't come from Scripture because we cannot confirm it. And it's very important that we stay within the safety and the confines of scripture. There's a part of me that would actually, like I said before, stick a big neon warning sign in the ground when it comes to sowed and say, go back, go back and just stick with what you see revealed in the scripture. And don't go looking into something that you can't confirm that could be leading you into very, very dangerous waters. So that wraps up our study on Pardes, the Jewish interpretation of scripture, and a reminder that the notes and the podcasts are available at vision.org.au slash foundations. Next time on Foundations, we're going to ask the question whether original sin is a Christian or a Jewish concept. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.